Section 11 of Armadis of Coal by Vasco de Lobeira. Translated by Robert Saudi. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Fernando Miramontes. Armadis of Coal by Vasco de Lobeira. Translated by Robert Saudi. Chapters 25 to 29. Chapter 25. Palmadis and Galaur and Balais of Carsant determined to go to King Lisuarte and of the great adventures which befell them on the road. When Amadis and Galaur were well recovered, they and their host, Sir Balais, departed for Windsor. After they had traveled five days, they came to a cross road, and where the roads crossed, there was a great tree and under it there was a dead knight lying on a costly bed. One taper was burning at his feet, and another at his head, and those tapers were so made that no wind could extinguish them. The knight was armed, but no covering over him. There were many wounds in his head, and the truncheon of a lance was in his throat, the iron appearing true, and he, with both hands, held the truncheon, as if striving to draw it out. They were greatly amazed thereat. Be sure, quoth Amadis, this knight is not thus laid here without great cause. If we tarry here a while, some adventure will ensue. Then said Galaur, I swear by my face of knighthood not to leave the place till I know who the knight was, and why he was slain, and to revenge him if justice demanded. Brother, answered Amadis, this vow somewhat displeased me. I fear it will detain you long. And this he said thinking of Oriana, from whose sight he would not willingly be hindered. Galaur replied, I have sworn. And he alighted and seated himself by the bed, and his comrades did the same, for they would not leave him alone. This was between nuns and vespers. Presently they spied a knight and two esquires, the one of whom carried the damsel before him. She gave him many shrieks and outcries, because the knight often smote her with the end of his lance. As they passed by the bed, the damsel saw the three companions, and she cried out, Ah, thou good knight that there lies dead, were thou living, thou wouldst not suffer this villainy. At these words, the knight smote her so cruelly that the blood ran down her face, and then they galloped away. So villainous a knight saw I never till now, quoth Amadis. I will not suffer this, brother. If I tarry long, proceed you and Balais to Windsor. Then he mounted and took his arms, and calling Vandalin to follow him, rode full speed in pursuit. Galaur and Balais remained till the night closed. There then came up an armed knight, along the road which Amadis had taken, and he was groaning. What knight was he, quoth he, who went full speed along the road? They replied, Why ask you? And knew death be his lot, quoth he, for he is as fierce as if all the devils were with him. What fierceness has he shown to you? Because he would not tell me whither he went so fast, I caught his bridle, 
and told him should either tell or fight. Fighting will take less time. Fighting will take less time, said he, and in the encounter he drove me and my horse to earth, and hurt me, as you see. At this, Galaor and Balais laughed, saying, You are taught not to be over-curious another time. Do you laugh at me? quoth he. You shall have no cause to laugh. Then, coming near Galaor's horse, he gave him a blow in the face, and made him rear, and broke his bridle, and ran away. He would have done the same to the other, but they caught up their spears and prevented him. If I have paid for my discourtesy to the other knight, said he, so have you for your laughter. And he rode off. God never help me in my need, said Balais, if I make thee not give thy horse for the one thou hast sent ranging. So, telling Galaur he would be with him the next day, unless fortune failed, he galloped away. Galaur remained alone with the dead knight, for his squire was gone after the horse. Five hours of the night he remained watching. Then, overcome with heaviness, he placed his shield against his helmet as a pillow, and lay down and slept. When he awoke, there was no light of the tapers to be seen, and the dead knight was gone. Shame on me, said he, that I could not watch, but I will take penance by seeking him on foot. As he was doubtful which way to go, he heard the kneeing of horses, and shaped his course towards the sound. After he had proceeded some way, the morning broke, and he saw two knights, the one of whom had dismounted to read certain letters graven on a stone. They sent me here vainly, said the one, for this is a foolish errand. And he mounted again, and they rode off together. Galaur called out to them, Know you, sirs, who has carried the dead knight from under the tree in the crossway? The one answered, We do not know. But after midnight we saw three damsels and ten squires with a litter. Which way did they take? He followed the road which they pointed, and met a damsel of whom he had asked the same question. She replied, Promise to revenge his death, and I will resolve you. That I shall do if, as I believe, it may be done justly. Then mount my palfrey, and I will ride behind. But Galaur would by no means take the saddle. So he rode behind her for two leagues, and came to a fair castle. Here, said she, you will find what you seek. Tell me where to find you, and for whom to ask. For Don Galaur, in the court of King Lisuarte. Then the damsel left him, and he went in. In the middle of the court the dead knight was laid, and they were making great dole over him. Galaur, Juni and asked of an old knight who the dead was, such a one as the world might with no reason lament, Antebon, a knight of Gaul. How came he by his death? He had a fair daughter by that lady whom you see bewailing him. A neighboring knight loved her, and carried her off by force, who greatly disliked him, while her father was gone to the tree in the crossways to wait, as was his wont for adventures. But she did nothing but weep, and she told the knight that she had sworn to her mother never to marry any knight who had not as great renown in arms as her father. You shall not for that refuse me, said he, 
before three days you shall know that i am as doughty as he and he took his arms and rode to the tree and finding antebon on foot and without his shield and helmet which were lying by him smote him through the neck with his spear and after he had fallen dead mangled his head as you behold we therefore have laid him in the same place being a continual passage for knights errant to try if any would be so honourably provoked as to revenge him when they had heard how treacherously he was slain but why was he left alone said galaor the murderer had said to threaten the four squires who always remained by him and for this cause they had forsaken the body and we afterwards removed it it has cost me much that i did not see you quoth the galaor are you he then who we saw sleeping upon his shield the same and why were you tarrying there to revenge the dead if his dead rightfully demanded ah good night god in his mercy prospered attempt and the old man led him to the bed and bade them all cease their lamentations for here said he to the dame is a knight who will avenge us and she fell at his feet to kiss them god reward thee tall good knight for he is a stranger in this land and has no king to take vengeance for that said galaor i am the more eager seeing i am of the same country but he is a peerless knight said she fear not quoth galaor let me be shown the place and if it please you provide me a horse that answered the lady i shall do on the condition that if you revenge me the horse be returned galaor replied so let it be End of chapter twenty five chapter twenty six how don galaor completed his adventure galaor was then conducted by two dancers to a castle in the forest seated upon a rock where the murderer palinguis dwelt he called at the gate and a knight appeared above it demanding what he wanted to enter the castle this gate is only used to let those out who are within i will show you how to enter but i fear my labor will be lost for you will not have courage so help me god as i will go in quoth galaor alight then and go to the foot of the tower presently that knight appeared again upon the tower and another greater than himself completely armed and they too winding a winch about let down a basket by a cord saying this is the way in will you promise to draw me up in safety said galaor yeah truly but afterwards we will not warrant you wind up then quoth he i take your word and he placed himself in the basket god protect thee tall gentle knight cried the damsels for thou hast a good heart they drew him safely up and he leapt from the basket then said they knight you must swear to defend the lord of this castle against those who challenge him for antebon's death else you shall never depart what quoth galaor did one of you twain kill him why demand you that i may make him know the great treason he hath therein committed the knights answered 
how canst thou be such a fool to threaten us being in our power and then drawing their swords they laid upon him furiously he seeing himself in peril for they were two perilous knights made no trifling ah god quoth the damsels below hark what a battle what will become of our champion presently the two knights were thrown from the tower and galaor called to them look if either of these be palinguis you have so handled them sir quoth they that is not easy to know but we believe neither of these is he then galaor descended the tower and entering in a large hall beheld a fair damsel and she was exclaiming palinguis why fliest thou art thou so brave in arms as to slay my father in battle and wilt thou not meet this knight at these words galaor looked round and spied a knight well armed endeavouring to open the door of another tower he ran to him palinguis fly or fight you shall not escape the traitor seeing no choice turned to battle and fiercely smote at galaor his sword entering so deep into the shield that he could not draw it back but galaor with one blow cut off his arm and overtaking him with a second as he fled cleft him to the teeth take this for thy treason to antevon when the damsel heard her father's name and saw the vengeance she came and blessed the knight for what he had done on my face fair friend quoth he he deserves shame who would wrong one like you but tell me are there any more to combat none but servants are left who are ready to obey you let the gate be opened then for your mother's damsel who led me here great joy did they make when they saw their young mistress for her deliverance when galaward had laid aside his shield and helmet they were astonished to see one so young and beautiful and branduetta ran to her deliverer and embraced him my honourable lord and friend more cause have i to love you than any other living tell me who you are they call me galaur god be thanked that antebon is revenged by such a knight my father often rejoiced in your fame and in that of your brother amadis for he said you were the sons of king perion his liege lord and it was for fear of yah as antebon countryman that palingue so fearfully kept his castle that night they returned to her mother's castle and branduetta so requited his services that galaur did not regret the duke of bristol's niece End of chapter twenty six chapter twenty seven how Amadis delivered the damsel from the knight who mistreated her, and how afterwards, when he was sleeping, another knight carried her away. Such speed made Amadis, such speed made Amadis that, having overthrown the knight who would have known whither he went, he overtook him who misused the damsel, and cried to him, Sir knight, you have been committing great wrong. I pray you do so no more. What wrong? The shamefulest that could be devised in striking that damsel. 
and you are coming to chastise me? Not so, but to counsel you for your own good. It will be more for yours to turn back as you came, said the knight. Thereat was Amadis angered, and he went to the squire and said, Let go the damsel, or thou diest. And the squire, in fear, put her down. Sir knight, you shall dearly abide this, quoth his master. Amadis answered, We shall see. And ran his career, and drove him from his saddle, and was about to ride over him, but he cried out for mercy. Swear then never to wrong dame or damsel. And, as he approached to receive the oath, the traitor stabbed his horse. Amadis recovered from the fall, and with one blow paid him for the treason. The damsel then besought him to complete his courtesy by accompanying her to a castle whither she was going. He took the horse of the slain, and they went together, and by the way he learned from her the history of Antebon. About midnight they came to a riverside, and, because the dancer would fain sleep, they stopped. Amadis spread Gandalin's cloak for her bed, and he laid his head upon his helmet, and they all slept. There came up a knight as they were sleeping, and he seeing the damsel gently wakened her with the end of his lance. She seeing an armed knight, saw it was Amadis, and said, Do you wish us to depart? He answered, It is time. In God's name, then, quoth she, and, being still drowsy, she suffered the stranger to place her before him, but then recollecting, What is this? she cried. The squire should have carried me. And, when she saw it was a stranger, she shrieked out and called to Amadis, Let not a stranger carry me off. But the knight clapped spurs to his horse and galloped away. Amadis awoke at her voice and called out to Gandalin for his horse and pursued full speed till he entered a thicket and lost the track. Then, Albeit he were the mildest knight in the world, he was sorely wroth against himself. The damsel may well report, thought he, that I have done her as much wrong as succor. For, if I save her from one ravisher, I have suffered her to be stolen by another. So he rode about, rearing his horse, till at length he heard a horn, and followed the sound and came to a strong castle set upon a hill, walled high, and with strong towers, and the gate was shut. The watchman saw him, and called out to know what man was there at such an hour, and what he sought. A knight, quoth Amadis, who has stolen a damsel from me. We have seen none such. Then Amadis went round the castle, and in another part, he found an open postern, and saw the knight on foot, and his men unsaddling the horse, who could not else pass through. Stop, sir knight, quoth Amadis, and tell me if you have taken my damsel. You took no care to keep her. You stole her from me in a way neither cautious or knightly. Friend, quoth the knight, 
she came with me by her own will. I offered her no force, and here I have her. Shew me the damsel, said Amadis, and, if she says the same, I will rest contented. Tomorrow you shall see her here in, if you will enter upon the custom of the castle. What is the custom? I will not now tell you, for it is night. If you wait till morning, you may know. And he then shut the postern. So Amadis passed the remainder of the night under the trees. When the sun was up, he saw the gate open, and riding up to it, saw an armed knight in the gateway, and the porter with him, who asked Amadis if he would enter. Why have I tarried here else? answered Amadis. First then, said the porter, you must hear our custom, that you may not complain of it hereafter. If you enter here, you must do combat with this knight, and if he get a victory, you must swear to obey the command of the lady of this castle, otherwise you will be cast into a miserable prison. If the victory be yours, you will find two other knights at the next gate, and farther in three more. With all this you must fight under the same condition. But, if you bear away the honor in this attempt, not only will it be great renown of prowess, but right shall be done in whatsoever you demand. Dear terms, cried Amadis, but I must see the damsel. The first champion encountered him to his cost. Amadis held his lance to him as he lay on the ground. Yield or die, the knight cried mercy, and shewed a broken arm. Then he of Gaul rode on. The two who kept the next pass ran at him. The one missed his blow, the other he drove down, all stunned, breaking his lance in his shield. Then, with the truncheon of his lance, he smote the one who was on horseback, so that the helmet came off. Both drew their swords. Nice, quoth Amadis, it is folly to continue the combat bareheaded. Look to thine own head, was the answer. But Amadis staggered him with one stroke, then, with the side of the sword, struck his head as he was reeling. Knight, it had been gone if I had laid on with the edge. And, after this victory, he passed on. There within he saw dames and damsels on the wall, and heard them say, If this knight passed the bridge in despite of the tree, he would have done a most rare feat of chivalry. Presently there came out three knights, well armed on goodly courses. Yield, said they, or swear to perform our lady's will. I am not yet one, quoth Amadis, and for the lady's will I know not what it may be. With that there began a fierce battle, for the three of the castle were hardy knights, practicing arms, and he whom they encountered was not one that would live off with shame. Amadis so displayed himself that his antagonist, no longer able for many wounds and great loss of blood to sustain him, took to flight. The one he overtook and made him yield, the other twain he followed into the hall. 
There stood at the door thereof about twenty dames and damsels, and the fairest of them all said to him, Hold, sir knight, you have done enough. Lady, let them own themselves vanquished. Wherefore? How have they wronged you? I was told to slay or conquer them before I could obtain my demand. They told you if you could penetrate here by force, you should obtain it. Say them what you would have. A damsel, whom one night stole from me while I was left, and has brought hither. I pray you, sir, replied the lady, rest while I send for the knight to answer you. Then he alighted, and the lady sat down by him, and asked him if he knew a knight called Amadis. Why ask you? Because all the guard you found in this castle was appointed for his sake. If he entered here, he should never depart till he revoked the promise which he has made. What might it have been? I will tell you, if you promise by arms or otherwise to make him revoke it, for it is an injustice. Lady, whatever Amadis has so promised, I will with my utmost power to make him discharge. Sir knight, quoth she, this Amadis promised Angriot of Estravaus to procure his lady's liking to him. This was ill done, for love should be of liking, not of force. Certes, lady, you say true. And that promise will I make him release, said Amadis. No less glad for what had passed then, the lady sought for another cause. Belike then, you are that lady whom Angriot so loveth. The same. Of a truth, I hold him for one of the best knights living, and methinks there is no lady, however honorable, who might not pride herself to have such a servant as he. I do not say this to recall the words which I have given you, but because he is a better knight than he who gave him that promise. End of chapter 27 Chapter 28 How Amadis fought with the knight who had stolen the damsel and conquered him. While they were thus devising there came in another knight, large-limbed and strong, completely armed, except his head and hands. Sir knight, quoth he to Amadis, they tell me you claim a damsel whom I brought here. I did not force her from you. She chose to come with me rather than remain with you. Therefore, it is no reason that I should resign her. Show me then the damsel. I have no reason that I should. If you say otherwise, I am ready to do battle. Now, the name of this knight was Gassinan, uncle to Grovenessa, the lady of the castle. And she, who loved him the best of all his kin, and was altogether governed by his counsel, for he was the best knight of his race, said to him, I pray you, uncle, forbear this difference, for if ill befall either of you, it will be to my loss. You are my best friend, and he has sworn to make Amadis revoke his promise to Angriotti. Niece, quoth Gassinan, neither he nor any other can make the best knight in the world revoke his promise. And for this quarrel, so help me God, as I will not give up the damsel. They gave spurs to their horses and met. 
their spears break, their shields and breasts encountered, and Gassinan fell. Yet he arose quickly, and drawing his sword, stood by a strong pillar in the midst of the court, thinking Amadis could little damage him, while he was on horseback, and as Amadis drew knee, he struck at the head of his horse. But he of Gaul, moved to anger thereby, made a blow at him with his sword, which fell upon the pillar, and cut away a fragment thereof. Though the stone was very hard, but the sword brake in three pieces. Seeing what danger he was, he leaped from his horse, and Gassinot came at him, saying, Confess the damsel to be mine, or thou art but dead. That, quoth Amadis, shall I never do, till she tell me it be with her good will. And with his shield he warily received the blows that fell fast upon him, and, at times, smote Gassinan with his broken sword, so that he twisted the helmet on his head and made him often give back. The battle lasted long, to the great peril of Amadis, for his shield was cut away, and his harness laid open on sundry places. He, knowing his danger, ran suddenly upon Gassinan, and grappled with him, and dashed him against the pillar, so, as for a moment, to stun him and make him drop his sword, which Amadis quickly seized, and cut the laces of his helmet, saying, Sir Knight, you have handled me hardly and wrongfully, now will I be revenged. And he lifted his sword as if to slay him. Seeing that, Grovenesa cried aloud, Mercy, good knight, and she ran toward him. But he, seeing her fear, made the more semblance of anger, saying, He has so wronged me that I must have his head. For God's sake, quoth she, ask anything else that he may live. Give me my damsel, then, said he, and swear that you go to the first court, which King Lisuarte shall hold, and there grant me what I shall ask. Swear it, niece, cried Gracinan, who hath now recovered speech, and suffer me not to be slain. And upon that, Grovenesa made the oath. Lady, then, quoth Amadis, I shall faithfully observe my promise to you. Hold you yours, and fear not that I shall ask aught against your honor. Then was the damsel sent for, and she kneeling to Amadis said, Truly, sir, great pains have you taken for my sake. And Gassinu, thought he stole me, must love me well, since he preferred to fight rather than deliver me. As God shall help me, fair damsel, cried Gassinan, if you think so, you think rightly. I beseech you stay with me. That I will do willingly, she answered, if it please this good knight. Amadis replied, Sirdis, you have chosen one of the best knights in the world, but if this be not with your free will, speak now, that I may not be blamed hereafter. She answered, I thank you truly that you let me remain. In God's name, quoth he. Then, albeit he was greatly entreated to abide there that night, he would depart to rejoin Galaur, and mounting his horse, he bade Gandalin take with him the pieces of his sword. Hearing that, Gassinan besought him, 
to accept his weapon, which, having thankfully accepted, and a lance also from Grovenessa, he rode away. End of chapter 28 Chapter 29 How Balaís Achieved His Adventure Balaís of Carsante followed the knight who had driven Galaor's horse astray, so fast as he possibly could. The darkness overtook him. Nevertheless, he rode on till midnight, when he heard voices by a riverside, and shaping his course, thither he found five thieves dragging a damsel by the hair, with design to force her, and they were all armed in corslets and with hatchets. Balais, crying out upon their villainy, ran at them, and broke his spear in the body of one, so that he fell down dead. Then the other, for beset him sharply, and slew his horse. But he, lightly clearing himself, cleft one to the neck with a sword stroke, and, suffering his sword to hang by the chain, caught at the fellow's hatchet, and pursued the others, who fled before him along a narrow path into a quagmire where they had a great fire, and there they turned upon him, for they could fly no farther. He drove his hatchet through the ribs of one, and with another blow made the forest fall into the fire. The other one fell upon his knees. Mercy, for God's sake! And do not destroy me body and soul. Since thou seest thy crime, repent it, and amend thy life, said Balais. And the thief performed his promise, for from that time he was a good man, and led a good life and became a hermit. Balais then returned to the damsel, and when he saw how fair she was, he said to her, Certes, fair lady, had your beauty so taken this fellow that is hats me, they would never have suffered you to part. Sir knight, replied the damsel, had those thieves forced me to their desires, both God and the world might hold me excused. Contrarywise, if I should willingly grant your honorable request, I neither could nor ought to be pardoned. Hitherto, you have shown yourself a good knight. Let me entreat you to accompany prowess in arms with continence and virtue, as by duty you are bound. My good lady, Balais answered, think no more of what I said. It becomes knights to serve themselves, and to woo their love, and it becomes them to deny as you have done, and I'll bite at the first, we think it much to obtain of them what we desire, yet, when wisely and discreetly they resist our inordinate appetites, keeping that, without which they are worthy of no praise, they be even of ourselves more reverenced and commanded. She kissed his hand, and answered, for this reason, I thank you more for saving my honor than my life. Then they left that place where the dead man lay, and coming to a pleasant meadow, rested there till it was day. And then Balais armed himself, and mounted the damsel's palfrey, because his own horse was slain. And taking her behind him, rode on, for she had desired him to leave her in some habitation as he could by no means abandon his quest. As thus they rode on, communing together, 
they saw a knight coming towards them, having one leg upon the horse's neck, but drawing nearer he put the foot in stirrup, and couched his lance against Balais, and threw him and the damsel from the palfrey. Mistress, said he to the damsel, I am sorry for your fall, but I will take you where amends shall be made. This fellow is not worthy to carry you. By this Balais had risen, and recognized the knight, and making at him shield and sword in hand, he cried, Don Cavalier, you rode on more than space after driving my horse astray. By God's help you shall pay by daylight for your night knivery. What? quoth the other. You are one of those who laugh at me? It is my turn now. And he drove at him with his spear so fiercely that the shield was pierced. But Balais, with one blow, cut the spear from his hand. The knight then drew his sword, and struck upon his helmet, and the sword went in two fingers' death. Balais took the occasion, and caught his enemy's shield, and drew him with such force toward him that the saddle came round, and he fell, and he cut the laces off his helmet, and buffeted his head with the sword hilt, till he stunned him, and taking his sword, broke it against a stone. Then he placed the damsel on her palfrey, and mounted the knight's horse, and rode toward the tree at the crossway. That night they were lodged by two women of holy life, who gave them such poor cheers as they could, and blessed Sir Balais for reading the country of the thieves who had long infested it. Thence they proceeded to the crossway, where they found Amadis, and had not tarried long before Calaur came up. So having conducted the damsel to her father's castle, where they were honorably entreated, they continued their way to Windsor. End of chapter 29